0: and getting some feedback somewhere test I just want to start today by by thanking all of you who participated in the revision seminar over Friday night Saturday with Jack Lynn it was an amazing time it was a great commitment of time uh, for many of you and uh... I think we made some great progress. You'll be hearing more about it as we process all that. When you go through a, a seminar retreat like we did, there's so much information to process. And uh, it's going to take a while to, to go through all that and figure it out. And uh, but I just want to thank all of you who were part of that for your uh, great time commitment. And uh, we're looking forward to some great, great things coming forward in the future. About two and a half years ago, I preached on this text. It was the first Sunday of our parking lot service. How many of you remember that? COVID had happened. We shut down for two months and we said, We're gonna we're gonna get together and it was our our first parking lot service. Most everybody was in the parking lot, just a history. We had, we had about seven people in the worship team up here. We had about four people in the tech team, and we had the uh, hospitality team that was passing out goodies and coffee and stuff as everybody drove in, and that's where we were. Most of the people were out in the parking lot. Uh, some of us were in here, and we just had a service together. And the passage that I picked that Sunday, and I picked for this Sunday, is about peace, because we then and even now we have so much going on, and we tend to look at all the circumstances. and I wanted to, for me as much as you, to look at this passage again today, just to remind us where our eyes and where our confidence is, where it ought to be. So, so today we're going to look at God, peace. Now. We had some mix-up on the notes, so uh, we may not have all the notes up there, but uh, you have, have the ability to fill in the blanks on your program. So if you want to follow along that way, um, that will work as well. So um, let's go. If I were to ask you this morning, how many of you want peace? Anybody? Got peace. I'm, I'm sure every one of us would say, I want peace. I haven't had it for a long time. It's like, where did this peace go that we used to have? Especially in the middle of of the turmoil today. We want peace of mind. We want peace in our homes. We want peace with our children and peace with our spouse. We desire peace at work. We want to have peace in our neighborhoods. We want peace in our with our circumstances and all of us as we look at around we would love to have world peace. Looks like that's very elusive today but how many of us have peace there are a lot of things that rob us of peace. Personally, it, it can be inner conflict or, or fear. It can be disagreements in relationships. It can be conflict in our homes. It can be a conflict at your place of employment or work. Maybe you have a problem with your neighbor. They have noise at parties or barking dog or something like that. Who knows? Maybe it's just circumstances in our lives that rob us of that peace. Health or finances, job performance. Maybe you have a conflict with a teacher or a coach. Maybe you're driving to work in the morning feeling really good and somebody cuts you off. It's like, oh my word, I can't believe they did that. Or maybe you accidentally cut somebody off, not intending to, and they give you that sign, whatever that is. That angry look or gesture. Or maybe you're driving and you, you get confused in that roundabout. It's, it's so funny when I come to those roundabouts now. If people aren't used to that, it's like, you go, no, you go, no, I'll go. And somebody behind goes, honks, let's get going. You know, it's just, it, it robs you of peace, those roundabouts. I hope we all eventually learn how to navigate roundabouts. Sometimes it takes forever to go through the grocery line and we get impatient lose our peace. Maybe there's a, a bad news report and it robs us of our peace. We can go on and on. We can go on and on about the many, many things that rob us of our sense and feeling of peace. Got peace. Well, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are supposed to have peace. Okay? It's supposed to be how we live. It's supposed to be part of who we are. And not just the Peace in the sense of being left alone. Some people say, uh, p- my peaceful day is nobody bothers me. I'm left alone, and that's called peace. Well, usually parents of young children have that feeling. But peace is more than just being left alone. Peace has is, is been defined as wholeness in every direction. In every direction, I mean external as well as internal, peace with God, peace with human human beings. There's wholeness in that relationship. It's in order and it's whole. That's what peace is. It's inner, it's outer, it's with self, it's people and circumstances. How does that come about? We're going to look at four things that that we, four keys to peace today. Four Four keys to peace. These aren't the only keys, but they're the ones that the Apostle Paul gives us in the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Very familiar passage with many of us, but it's very hard to live within the context of this. So I'm going to turn and read Philippians 4. It's on page 953, if you're looking for it in the Bible, in the rack in front of you. And Philippians, the fourth chapter, starting with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. The first thing that Paul says to us, first key to peace is rejoice always. Rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will again say it. Rejoice. It's so important that he says it twice, okay? When, when Paul says something twice back to back, it must be important. He said, rejoice always. He doesn't say, don't worry, be happy, like the pop song says. You know, we think just don't worry, be happy. Um, happiness comes from the word happenstance, and that has to do with circumstances. And we are always going to have circumstances that don't bring peace. So it doesn't have anything to do with happenstance or circumstances. Happiness depends on circumstances, externals. Contrast that with the word joy, which the word rejoice comes from. Joy is internal. Joy does not depend on circumstances. And Paul says, rejoice always, always. I, I can rejoice sometimes. Get up and the sun's up and it's great weather and it's cool and nice. I can rejoice, but when it's bad, you know. No, he says rejoice always, no matter what. No matter what. And the, the grammatical structure makes this a command. <laughs> I I don't like commands. You're, if you're like me, you don't like to be commanded or told you have to do something. This is a grammatical structure. is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's just not an idea. It's a command. It's a command. Rejoice always. He says, this is what the Word of God is telling us to do. Rejoice always. Now, there are some qualifiers. Like all commands, it has a qualifier. The, the first one is rejoice always in the Lord. In the Lord. This shows that this joy is dependent on faith in Jesus Christ. It's dependent on our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's internal. It's not external. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not something that we can just work up and get up in the morning and say, I'm going to force myself to rejoice. No. It's something that the Holy Spirit, the living God who dwells inside each believer, it's something that the Holy Spirit does in and through us. And without that, it's impossible. We have to say it's the Holy Spirit that carries this out inside of us. But it's a decision we make. It's a, it's a conscious act to rejoice and to have joy. It's something we decide. I choose joy. That's what he says. In the Lord. The second qualifier is always. That gets to me. Rejoice always. There's a, a, a command, of constant rejoicing in all circumstances, good and bad. And recall that when Paul wrote these, these words... He was in prison, okay? He was in prison, and the prisons weren't like most prisons or jails that we have today. It wasn't this pleasant environment. It wasn't a minimum security prison because he wasn't a great physical risk. This was a pretty bad place to be, in prison. He didn't know from one day to the next if he was going to live or die. He had thought of all the possibilities, everything and anything that could happen to him, and he says, still I say, rejoice. Still I say rejoice. How hard is it to rejoice in everything? How hard is it? It's really hard. And why would I do that? James 1, 2 to 4 says this. Says, consider it pure joy. There's that word again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. I don't want perseverance. He says it develops perseverance. Perseverance, it says, must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Taking joy in that. When we rejoice in all circumstances, we're acting out a basic fundamental fact that we trust God. We trust God so much that we find joy no matter what the circumstance because we have that relationship with him. Rejoice in all things. And as long as I'm with Jesus, I can rejoice no matter what. So he says, rejoice always. Second key to peace is never worry. Oh, great. That's that's what I want to hear, never worry. You know, you cannot turn a, a, a news site on. You can't watch a news site on television. You can't do anything without coming up with something to worry about. And he says, never worry. He says, do not be anxious about anything, anything. It's enough to have to rejoice constantly. And I don't get to worry? <laughs> that's the question. What will I do in my spare time? That's, that's the question. God gives us children and grandchildren. Why? So we can worry? No, it's so we can pray. But, but I know... People, it's just, there's just something about our offspring that brings worry. You know, they're just family, friends, whatever. So many things to worry about. Now, I've always heard it was good to worry because 99% of things you worry about never happen. So go ahead and worry, it'll never happen. That's probably not true. But Paul says, do not worry about anything, or he says, stop worrying, which meant... These people, these great Christian people in the Philippi- Philippian church were worrying. Okay? So if you've been worrying, you're in good company. We've all been in the same. But it's another command. Worry is the attempt to carry the burden of the future by yourself. Let me say that again. Worry is the attempt to carry the burden of the future by yourself. It's up to me. It's up to me. And that causes anxiety. Worry is the opposite of faith. It's unbelief. And unbelief literally is a serious sin because it questions God's love and His sovereignty. I'm gonna worry because God, I know You're supposed to be in control, but I I'm not quite sure. Okay, now that's normal. So if you're in that category, it's it's common to all of us. It's common to all of us. Carrying the future, Hudson Taylor says this. He said, "Give it all to God." and you have nothing left to worry about. Give it all to God, and you have nothing left to worry about. Okay, so if we surrender everything, then it's it, it's in God's hands. I know, easier said than done. It's hard. It's tough. Now, Paul is not making light of our cares and concerns, but he knows that God is greater than our troubles and fears. That's why in Matthew 6, 25, Jesus said very plainly, he said, therefore I tell you, Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And Jesus meant to address all phases or cares of our life when he said don't worry. For most of it, what am I worrying about? See, which coffee drink am I going to choose today? Is it a latte? Is it a mocha? Is it a, you know, Macchiato, whatever. What am I going to do? There are a lot of things that we have to have. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, calling our attention to many worries, he said it's more than just food, drink, or clothes. Jesus says don't worry or stop worrying. Then he says look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? are you not much more valuable than they? I shared this story before. Early in our ministry, Judy and I were serving a church in Lakewood, Washington. And the church was located on a busy four-lane road surrounded by open space and a wetlands with a creek. And one afternoon, I I was trying to get off to lunch and I got delayed by something and I ended up getting out late for lunch. And when I returned from my late lunch, I was driving into the parking lot and I saw this mother goose with eight goslings marching down the driveway toward the four-lane road. Okay. I immediately had some concerns. I I knew they were intending to cross to the wetlands on the other side. We didn't have any crosswalks, lights, we didn't have any goose crossings, we had nothing there. So I immediately turned my car around and carefully drove out crossways into the roadway and stopped. And then I jumped out of the car and began to flag down traffic to stop. You know, And after the, you can imagine people driving down, what is he doing? After the initial annoyance and irritation when they saw why, they all stopped and they waved and they, they cheered and they honked and, and we all stopped that whole road for that, Gosling, were there eight goose that that goose with eight goslings to cross to the other side? Now I've thought about that many times over the last years. Did God know the geese were going to try to cross the road, and did He know when? Because that was, did God delay my lunch appointment and my time to return for the exact moment when those geese were getting ready to cross the road? Did he give the stupid idea to stop traffic on a busy highway? Did God even care about this little family of geese? Well, I, I don't have the answer to all that. But I do know that Jesus said, you are of much more value than geese or birds. Whatever. Don't you think that a God who cares that much for a family of geese and baby goslings cares more for you? He says, never worry. Worry causes more sickness and disease than almost any other thing. In fact, some medical profession, in the medical profession, have said that as high as 90% of persons in the hospital in America are there for psychosomatic illnesses, just worrying that they might have something. Now, that might be a little bit high, but you get the point. Worry. Worry disrupts and robs us of peace. So keys to peace. Rejoice always and never worry. The next key ties into worry because anxiety and prayer are more opposed to each other than fire and water. The third key to peace is to pray thankfully. Pray thankfully. Verse six, and everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Peace is the fruit of believing prayer and peace is the fruit of thankful prayer. Now, prayer is just talking to God. And believe it or not, God wants to hear from you. He does. He wants to hear from you. He loves you. He's called our heavenly father. He doesn't say, oh, no, Dwayne, here's Dwayne again coming to me for something. Or, oh, no, Judy is coming to pray. Oh, no, I've, I've heard these things over and over again. No, he doesn't say, oh, no, Mark's here again. I, I, I know what he's going to say. No. He, does, he wants to hear our requests. Now, there are some qualifiers. He said pray in everything. Pray in everything, big, small, small. Good and bad. Now if you had a friend that shared only the bad news, okay, some of you only their complaints, you'd probably get worn out. Okay. And maybe you've had a friend. All they do is when you see them coming, you go, oh no, here's bad news again. Okay. If if all we share with a friend is bad news and not good news, then it, it, it distorts the their relationship. We have a friendship and a relationship with God, but he likes to hear the good and the bad. He likes to hear the bad and good, the good days and bad days, everything. Nothing is too big and nothing is too small. Like a father with a small child, the cuts, the bruises, the owies, and the big issues too. When, when our children were small, I wanted to hear everything, okay? I wanted to hear everything they were, they were dealing with. Now they're grown. I still, I still want to hear everything. I want to hear everything, the good, the bad, whatever it might be, because I love them and I want to be in their life. Prayer, talking with God. Secondly, it says pray with petition. Petition is to request humbly, or, or it's not haughty as if we deserve or were owed, but it's a humble request. It says present your requests to God. There's a specificity in the requests. A request specifies a content of prayer, specific requests. If, if we don't pray specifics, how do we know if God answered it? God bless America. God bless my family. God bless the church. God bless, you know, are we supposed to pray that God will bless? Yeah, but be specific. In what way? How does God, how are you praying for God to bless and answer prayer? Write down a request, write down the answer. I know people that, that keep a prayer journal. I don't know how many of you do this. Um, uh, many people are too busy to do that, but they, they will actually, when they write down, they'll write down their prayers, they'll write down the prayer, and then when the answer comes, they write down the answer. Okay? We, we used to do this. In fact, I encourage connect groups to do this when you have your prayer time. Right? Have somebody that journals a prayer so we can hear the prayer request, and the next week, you hear the answer, and you go, oh, wow, we prayed for that. God answered. Why do we need to do that? Because we, <laughs> we forget. We forget what the requests have been. God wants to answer our prayers just like a parent loves to answer their children's requests, especially in times of trouble. God knows our needs. He knows our predicaments, but he wants us to verbalize them. Now, God can answer without a request, but when we request and he answers, it builds our faith in him as a God who actually hears and answers prayer. Answered prayer is objective, tangible proof that God is love, he's sovereign, he's integrally involved in his life, in our lives. And don't feel guilty about praying for yourself. We ought to pray for others and other needs, but God wants you to pray for all things, all things. Now, there's a modifier in this verse, too. These are all grammatical things. It says, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, we're admonished to begin prayer by praising and thanking God for the fact of this situation. And when we praise him and thank him, we acknowledge that he's almighty God. With thanksgiving, when we start this way, our fear and anxiety begins to go away and peace will come. Mark eleven twenty two to 24 says, have faith in God. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If someone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he will, what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Thanksgiving says, I trust you, God. Hebrews eleven six 6, very well-known passage. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Thanksgiving. Believing that God is, he's, a, he's greater than the problems. He, he's a rewarder of those who seek him earnestly. Thanksgiving is an important accompaniment to Prayer. It's a way to recall God's goodness and mercy in the past and present. And it keeps us from the pitfalls of ungratefulness. Ungratefulness. Ungratefulness is one of those things that permeates our culture. Thanks in everything implies gratitude. So the first three keys to peace are rejoice always, never worry. And pray thankfully, if that's not challenging enough, all those, those three things. The fourth key, the fourth key is think think positively. Think positively. Depending on your environment and depending on what's happening in the world, what's happening everywhere, thinking positive is, can be extremely challenging. But he says, think positively. Every action originates in the mind with the exception of speech on occasion. But most actions originate in the mind. Sometimes speech occurs before the mind's engaged. That's how we get in trouble. But speech, speaking, they all take form in the mind. So if we're going to have peace, we have to ask, what happens in our mind? What, What we think about is very, very important. To think is to take into account, to reflect upon, and allow these things to shape your conduct. Now the human mind most all the time will always think about something. If you see somebody, you can say, so what's on your mind? What are you thinking? Uh, don't ask. You know, it's, it's one of those things. What are you thinking? Our minds are occupied of something. You know, When we sleep, we dream and do some other stuff. It may not be as relevant, but our minds always have some thought in them. What do you think about? What, what occupies your thoughts? If you wrote down all the things that you thought about a single day, what would that look like? And what goes into your mind? Some things we can't control. We see things and, and stuff happens in front of us. We can't control that. But for the most part, I think we have a gateway that we can control what goes in our mind. Having discipline to think about the right things Why? So we can have peace. We can have peace. He says, let your mind dwell on these things. Or let your mind continually focus your mind, give critical attention to these things. Now, what are those things? What are the things we're to spend thinking about? Whatever things are true. True. Truthful in every aspect of life. Thought, speech, and action. He said, Fix your mind on these things, what things are true. Fix your mind on truth. Secondly, noble, which is honest or worthy, esteemed, wins respect. He said, Fix your mind on these things, not what's dishonorable, but what's what's honorable. Thirdly, what's right. Right means just in relationship to people and to God. Giving them their, due, their duty and responsibility. This can involve right versus wrong. Thinking about what is right. Letter D, pure. And this has to do with motives as well as actions. Pure means it's unmixed. Unmixed. What media that you interact with every day Challenge is your thoughts of purity. Just, just stop and think about it. What, what media, what medium? Whether it's movies, TV, cell phone, texts, whatever it is. Uh, what, what medium challenges your thoughts of purity? And how can we focus on purity? Lovely. Th- this is an amazing word. We don't use the word lovely very often. It's, it's kind of thought of as as an old English term, lovely. But you know what it means? It means that which calls forth love. That which calls forth love. A lovely person. They're loving. It calls forth love. Winsome, attractive. He said, make yourself attractive, not physically, but in love. Says, set your mind on things that elicit admiration and, 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 and respect and affection. Not on things that elicit bitterness and hostility. And then admirable, those things of good report, gracious, good reputation, well-spoken of. All of those things. Now, I don't know about you, but I read news reports and I do all, you know, that there's very little of any of this in there. The question is how, and, and this is a challenge, how can you stay in touch with what's happening and then still think on the good things, the pure and the lovely things? Can you do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit, he can filter those things. We need to stay in touch with what's going on in our world and our culture. But there's a, there's a line we've got to be careful we don't cross and let that overtake and inundate because when that happens, we lose our peace. We lose our peace. And everything in the media today is designed to attack truth, righteousness, purity, peace. God has given us the power to counter that by his Holy Spirit. It's impossible. Absolutely. That's why Jesus is inside us to do that for us. That's why. He said, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, and there are, think about these things. Whatever is deemed worthy of praise, or if anything deserves your praise, think on these things. And remember, action is preceded by thought, what we think we will do. And then Paul says in verse 9, practice these things. Put them into practice. And the results, of course, the results will be, Peace. So rejoice always, never worry, pray thankfully, think positively. And verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace of God. Not peace with God. Peace of God. Do Do you think God ever worries? Do you think he has peace at all times? I can't imagine God worried about anything. He's in control of everything. He's concerned, but he's not worried about anything. He has ultimate peace. He said, the peace of God, the peace that God has is yours. That's the peace that you can have. Peace that God himself has. And it says it transcends understanding. Yeah, people can see us in circumstances that are totally out of control. And they say, how in the world can you be at peace? How can you be at peace? It transcends understanding. It surpasses comprehension. It rises above every mind or human comprehension. God's peace is able to produce exceedingly better results than human planning or thought and removing anxiety. It's the peace of God. It's supernatural. Therefore, it is incomprehensible by human thought. There have been times in my life I've said, I have peace and I shouldn't. But it's the peace of God beyond understanding. And the third phrase, the peace of God beyond our ability to understand, will guard your hearts and minds. To guard means protect. Now, there's a, there's a word picture here. And I want you to think about it. When it talks about guarding our minds, it's, it's a picture of a of a, of a military detachment standing guard over a city to protect it from attack. So it'd be like having a whole bunch of troops up there protecting our city or our town or our, or our community from being attacked. It guard, it's a detachment. It says it will guard your hearts and minds. Our hearts and minds are the seat of our emotions. And God's peace is the actual defense against attack that's what defends us against attack it'll protect us from that and the final phrase is in Christ Jesus this protection God's peace is reserved for those who are in Jesus if you're in relationship with Jesus in obedience to his authority in submission to his will this peace is yours it belongs to you it's it's what God has offered and will give to each and every one of us. No matter what those circumstances, he'll give that peace to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 26.3 says, The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. In John 14.27, Peace I leave with you, Jesus said, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I don't have to tell anybody today that we're living in troubled times. The political and economic chaos, uncertainty, but let me tell you something. God's people have always lived In tough times. God's people have always lived in tough times. But we're called to live a quality of life. That includes. Peace. Living it out. Rejoice always. Never worry. Pray thankfully. Think positively. And the result. Perfect peace. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ. Rule. Rule in your hearts peace let's pray father we thank you that you have given us this incredible peace by your grace would help us to live in the reality of that peace it's supernatural it's what you have given us And, Father, as we navigate these troubled times, and we live in troubled times, and it might get worse before it gets better, we have no idea. But I pray that you'll have our hearts to dwell on you in peace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs)